Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings. How are you today? I hope you guys are doing fantastic. So this is episode 99, um, which is huge for me. Next time, next week, of course, will be the centennial number 100. And I have a really special episode planned for you for that. So today, we're going to talk about the fatal interview mistake. So I do a lot of interview coaching with my clients, right? So they pay me to go through the interview process with them, typically with either the job description that they are going to be interviewing with, you know, they've already been offered an interview or a representative job position that is like the ones that they'll be interviewing for. And I really put them through their paces when I do that coaching with them. They often tell me that what I do with them is actually much more difficult than the actual interview they go through. And, and the analogy I use, and I think I've said it on this podcast before, is to me, that's like that donut thing that the batter puts on his bat when he's in the on-deck circle and he swings his bat around with that heavy weight on it so that when he takes it off and he gets up to bat, his bat just feels like it doesn't weigh anything at all. So that's really what I want to do with interview coaching. So I do a lot of that kind of coaching with my clients. I also write about interviewing. I've blogged, I've written articles, I've done all kinds of, of written content about interviewing. I've, I've done several podcasts around interviewing. I have taught interviewing, when I, especially when I was teaching in college, when I was the director of two career centers. I was always teaching interviewing to my students. And then I've also conducted dozens of actual interviews. So when I was in higher education, and then I also was on a board position. I was the president of the board for the YMCA when I lived in Northeast Missouri. So we had to interview for uh, a new executive director and interview for board positions. I've also, uh, early in my career, I was a recruiter for a retail management um for a retail chain, a retail uh, pharmacy chain. And I would conduct interviews on college campuses for people who wanted to go into their management program. So I really am considered an expert in interview preparation. And I wanted to kind of give those creds as kind of setting up this information that I want to give you today. It's close to Halloween, if you're listening to this in real time. So I wanted to give you my lucky 13 or unlucky 13 fatal interview mistakes. So I want to really pull the lens back. So this is not going to be kind of those specific interview questions and some of the things that I've talked about before. I want to really kind of come at this with a bigger, broader perspective. So rather than talking about, you know, specific questions that you might answer kind of quote unquote the wrong way, I really want to talk about showing up improperly for the job interview and for kind of that whole entire job interview process. And these are the ways that I see people doing that. So I've got 13 kind of tips that I want to give you here in terms of these fatal interview mistakes. So number one is probably one that sticks in my craw and makes me wince more than any other kind of comment that I get from people. And it is folks who tell me that they're going through an interview just for practice. Now, I want to make a very clear distinction here. 
If you don't believe this is the right position for you, you're not certain that it is, you think it probably isn't, that's a very different space than I have absolutely no interest in this interview. I just want the practice. I really believe with all my heart that that second scenario can come back to bite you in the butt if you're not careful. So I really want you to think of other ways to get that experience. Working with a coach like me, working with someone, maybe you have someone in your family or a friend who is in human resources and frequently conducts interviewing. How can you get that practice without taking up a recruiter or an HR person's time as if you were actually interested in the job? So again, if you think that you probably aren't interested in it, that's still worth time going ahead, right? Because you need to hear what they have to say. You need to know more about the job. They need to know more about you. Who knows? Keep in mind that oftentimes what you go in to interview for is not the job that you're offered. So they like you. They see that you're too senior for the job or they just there's something else that they believe is a better fit. And so that's what they move you into. That's very different than I have absolutely no interest in this company and I just want to take their time so that I can practice my interview skills. So that's my number one kind of fatal interview mistake because I do think those come back to bite you in the butt. Number two, not doing your homework. You know, I always used to tell my students when I was teaching interviewing in college, how much time do you guys spend studying for a single exam, right? Not, not even to mention your final exams. Why would you not put that kind of time into preparing for a job interview? So not only... Are you not going to be able to really, you know, answer their questions and speak intelligently in the interview? You're not going to be able to articulate why you're the perfect person for the job because you don't know what the perfect person, you don't know what their company culture is. You don't know enough about them and the job and the boss and all of those things to really be able to market yourself towards that. And if we back that up a step, you don't know if it's the right fit for you. So again, you may be wasting your time interviewing for that company and that job when it's a terrible fit for you, but you don't know that because you haven't done your homework. So this is one, if you can hear it in my voice, I get kind of passionate about. But my goal always with job interviews is to know at least as much about the company and the department and whatever the situation is as the people who are interviewing me. And that's the feedback I get that I'm, if they feel like I'm interviewing them, heck yeah, I'm interviewing them. Um, When I was getting ready to move, when I was, I was kind of, I had done everything I could do at Columbus State University. I was looking at other universities across the country And I ended up at at Truman State University. It was a thousand miles away from Columbus, Georgia to Kirksville, Missouri. I was deciding whether I was going to move myself as a single mom with two small children all halfway across the country, a thousand miles away to a state that I'd never been in prior to that interview. I didn't know a soul in the entire state. Yes, of course, I wanted to interview them and I wanted to be as thorough with my questions as I did, you know, answering their questions. So that's number two, not doing your homework on the company or the product that you would be interacting with, selling, making, whatever it is, and the industry. So make sure you're also doing your homework. If they make widgets, where do they stand in the in the widget industry? Are they the number two provider? Then and who's the number one provider? And what's the difference in their market share? You need to know all that stuff. Number three, not doing your homework on the people you will be interviewing with whenever possible. You they will usually tell you 
who you will be in an interview with. And it's so easy to look them up, especially on LinkedIn, and you can get some information about them. My thought here is that (laughs) you want to do everything you can to eliminate foot and mouth disease, right? So you stick your foot in your mouth because you say something inadvertently that sets somebody the wrong way. Now, I'm not saying that you have to walk on eggshells in an interview in order to get the job. What I'm simply saying is there are some basic pieces of information that you can garner that are going to help you keep your foot out of your mouth in the interview. Now, I don't want to go into specifics of what that may may be because it could run the range, right? It could be any number of things, you know, but let's just take a real basic one. Let's say, you know, I'm a Florida State grad and we don't love University of Florida grads. So I go into an interview, let's say, and um, they say, so I see you went to Florida State. Yes, isn't it the greatest school in the world? It's so much better than the other universities. And I don't know that the person who's interviewing me is a Florida grad, right? So I have stuck my foot in my mouth when I could have completely avoided that by having that knowledge. So do your homework on the people you'll be interviewing with. Find out. Ask the person. Usually there is a point person, often an HR person, who is kind of shepherding this process, scheduling these different interviews. Who am I going to be interviewing with? What's their job title? What's their name? All of that. And then do your homework on LinkedIn. So that's number three. Number four, not preparing your CAR, Challenge, Action, Results, C-A-R, stories to answer behavioral questions. You cannot wing in behavioral interview questions. These are those questions where they say, tell me about a situation when, tell me about a time when, and you are supposed to give them a situation, a specific challenge that you were faced with, the actions that you took, and the results that you achieved. And what ends up happening when you try to wing behavioral questions is I, I see one of two things. Either you speak in generalities, and usually you in, I, invariably the candidate will go into third person. Well, you know what you do in that situation is, and then you would do this. You're completely not answering their question. You're not giving them anything meaty that they can evaluate you on. Um, so that's kind of one response to an unprepared candidate. The second response is they give a very loosely put together story that has no beginning, middle, and end. Well, there was this situation recently where I had to do such and such, and then I did this. And the, and the interviewer's like, well, so what happened? What was the result? Did it did it work out? Did you make money for the company? What did you learn from the situation? You've given them half the story and you haven't given them the half that really has the payoff in it for you. So number four is not preparing your car challenge action result stories for those behavioral interview questions. Number five, not being able to clearly and concisely articulate your brand differentiators. This is an area that I see such weakness in when candidates come to me, both on their documents, so their resume has no brand differentiators on it. And then when I ask them why an employer should hire them, I get those generic responses like, I'm a hard worker, I'm a team player. As opposed to all the candidates who say, I am such a slacker, so for sure hire me, and I do not like working with other people, but be sure and hire me, right? You haven't differentiated yourself from any other candidate. So you have to know the answer to that. I love the I love to put the question this way to a candidate. Why should I stop the interview process right now and offer the job to you? 
And I love that question so much because it separates the, pardon the gender bias, but the men from the boys, the women from the girls, because the people who have done their homework will confidently answer that question for me in a way that is satisfying. And the people who are unconfident, it sort of reveals that lack of self-confidence and lays it bare. It's almost like their, you know, their guts are opened up, their intestines are opened up, and I'm seeing their lack of self-confidence that's on the inside. It is now exposed. So that's number five, is not being able to clearly and concisely articulate your brand differentiators. Number six is minimizing your achievements or qualifications. And I really want to address this one specifically to the ladies. There's lots of research that has shown that many times the reason the dude gets the job or the promotion and the woman doesn't is because of how well they present their achievements, how well they speak of them. And I always say to my clients, which it's usually a woman if I'm having this conversation, it ain't bragging if you can prove it. So if you can tell me, here's where I increased revenues by 50%. Here's where I decreased expenses by 21%. Here's where I reduced full-time equivalents, which is employees. I reduced it by three headcount. And here's how I did it. Here's how I did this thing. So I'm really great at... X and here's an example of that, right? I'm not just speaking off the top of my head saying, oh, I'm a great team player. I'm a great leader, blah, blah, blah. I'm giving specific achievements to back that up. And I'm not minimizing. I'm not all shucksing it. I'm not, oh, I feel like I'm bragging. I, I don't want to say that. I, I, I swear to you, I don't think I've ever had a guy in my in my client load who's ever said I feel like I might be bragging it's always the women ladies get over it be proud of your achievements it ain't bragging if you can prove it number seven showing up late or on time because I put on time is late so you want to get there not an hour early maybe not 30 minutes early but certainly 20 to 25 minutes early so that you can allow for any kind of thing that might happen. If it's if there's a distance that you have to drive and traffic is an issue where you're at or you're not sure where you're going, I, I always recommend that you map it out the day before if you possibly can. So take the route, at least know where you're going, know what building and all of that. Plan on getting there plenty early. You can always sit in your car in the parking lot until it's a reasonable time to go in, maybe 20, 25 minutes early. That gives you time to hit the bathroom, take a look at yourself in the mirror, kind of get your breath going, calm down, hang out in the in the lobby area, kind of it gives you the opportunity also in the lobby area to kind of take a the temperature of you know, what are you seeing happen? Pay attention. What are you seeing in terms of interactions between employees or other, you know, customers or candidates that are coming in? What's the atmosphere? What's happening there? So you want to make sure that you are showing up plenty early. Now it's number seven. Number eight, not making a good first impression with your appearance. And that is a top to bottom issue. And you can say all you want to that they should judge me on my qualifications, not my appearance. But trust me, they are judging you at least in part on your appearance. And so top to bottom, I always, I used to teach uh, dress for success with my, my college cli- my college students. And one of the things that I said was that I wanted to negate their appearance. I didn't want their appearance to be the focus because that's usually not a good thing, especially in an interview. 
I, I wanted the focus to be on them. I wanted the focus to be on their qualifications. And by taking care top to bottom of any kind of details about your appearance, that can negate that issue. So the focus is on your, your achievements. So things like making sure your glasses, if you wear them, are clean. Boy, I've had so many candidates over the years. I don't know how they can see me and I can barely see them because their glasses are so dirty. And, you know, guys, ear hairs, nose hairs, you know, unibrow, that kind of stuff. Um, lint on the clothing, animal hair on your clothing, uh, poorly tailored clothing. Uh, ladies, if you have any kind of hosiery on, if there's any kind of a tear or a run in them or your shoe um, heels are scuffed up. All of those kind of things are noteworthy to some people. Some people won't care and won't notice them, but why take that chance? Take care of everything top to bottom so that your appearance is at worst a non-issue and at best it is a positive in your favor. So that's number eight, the good impression with your appearance. Number nine, in terms of fatal interview mistakes, is the dead fish handshake. What the heck? Guys, 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 guys. So, so, and I am speaking specifically to the guys. Guys, I have seen this happen over and over again. You go to shake another dude's hand and you're nice and firm and you're, you know, you've got a good grip. And then you go shake a woman's hand and you do this, what I call the church handshake. So it's very like, oh, hi. And it's, it is offensive to a woman in business for you to make a difference. And one of the things that, again, I would teach in college because I would teach etiquette was that handshakes in business are gender neutral. No difference what the, the hand, you know, the, the person who's initiating the handshake and the person who's receiving the handshake, their gender makes no difference. You connect thumb joint to thumb joint. So think, kind of picture this as I'm talking about it. Thumb to joint to thumb joint put a reasonable amount of pressure. Don't try to crush their bones, but also don't limp fish it. And one to two pumps. Don't do the used car handshake where you're going up and down and up and down and up and down. But you want a nice firm handshake that says, I'm here to do business. If you have a problem with wet hands, you kind of inconspicuously wipe your palm off before you go for the handshake. So that's number nine, the dead fish handshake. Number 10, Big one, leaving the interview without a clear understanding of what's going to happen next. So going forward, what's the next step in the hiring process? So you need to know this so you know kind of what your expectations are and, you know, when should you do something relative to this process. But also it's going to make you look more interested in the job by asking the question. So I always like to do this right at the end when you're shaking hands, you're thanking them for the interview. If you are still interested in the position, you are restating your interest in the position, you're saying, could you tell me what the next step in the hiring process is? I've had so many candidates that have told me, oh, I got out in the car after the interview and I realized I didn't know what was going to happen next. And when you don't know, A, if you call back or, you know, email, you look like you forgot because you did, or you just don't ask and then you're left wondering and there's this time gap of two weeks and you don't know what to make of it. When if you had asked the question in the interview, you would find out you were the first of 11 candidates to be interviewed and they didn't expect to call people back for second interviews for three weeks. You would know that and you wouldn't be freaked out and your brain wouldn't be telling you, oh my God, it's all gone wrong. They don't want me, blah, blah, whatever. So number 10 is leaving the interview without a clear understanding of what's going to happen going forward. Number 11, not showing your enthusiasm for the company, the position, the product, whatever it is. 
they need to know that you want that job, not just any job. So for everything that you do, so, you know, we're assuming that you've done some of this in your resume and your cover letter because it's gotten you into the interview. Now you need to sell your enthusiasm for the company. And this gets back to that number one about the inner or number two, not doing your homework. So you have to do your homework to show your enthusiasm for the company. They need to know that this is why you want to work there. This is why you want that job. Not just please give me a job. I'm desperate. I need a paycheck. But this is the job I want. And this is why. Number 12. Oh, this is a huge one. Not when you are discourteous or dismissive of anyone you come in contact with at the company. That is a fatal interview mistake. I would always ask my secretary who sits at the front desk and I would ask my student workers who happened to be on duty at the time an interview candidate came in. I always made sure that they had some time to sit. So even if they came in on time and I was available, I wanted them to sit in the lobby for a little while so that I could get some intel from my employees. Did this person sit there with a, you know, an invisible wall around themselves? Did they interact with the staff? And if so, was it a friendly, pleasant interaction? Were they asking good questions or were they being rude and, you know, kind of dismissive of them? You know, what was going on out in that lobby? How were they interacting? Did they have an, inter an opportunity to interact maybe with other employees or customers of the company? You know, what's happening with that? I want to know all that information. So being discourteous or dismissive of anyone, if you run into the bathroom and there's a cleaning person in there, you better treat that person with the same respect and courtesy see that you would the CEO of the company, not only because you never know who's going to tell who what, but it's just good practice. You're not better than anyone else. So that's number 12. And then my final one is number 13 is thinking that there is ever a time during the whole interview process from start to finish when you aren't being interviewed. So from that first contact, so they call you or email you to set up an interview. I've had so many clients over the years who've said, you know, I, I, I got a call. They wanted to set up an interview, but we talked for 20 minutes and it felt like I had an interview. And my answer, of course, is yeah, that was an interview. Guess what? to you getting out of your car in the parking lot. And one of my uh, friends that I've had on this podcast a few times, Jane, has talked about one of her pet peeves is people who don't take good care of their car. Because you actually never know. Let's say this is an all-day interview and the interviewer says, hey, I'm taking you to lunch, but my car's in the shop. Can we take your car? And it may be that their car isn't in the shop at all. They just want to see what your car looks like. And she has told the story on this podcast of some someone who was a partner in the law firm because I think it was her husband's law firm and she was like a hoarder and there was all this stuff in the car and it you know like you couldn't even get in like there was just enough room for the one you know driver to get in so making sure that how you get out of the car you know does your car look presentable so you know look at your car from the perspective of if I had to drive my prospective boss to lunch today they said they needed to be dropped off at their car dealership or something at the end of the day would I mind would I be embarrassed by my vehicle. 
And then your manners over lunch. So if manners are not your strong suit and you've never been taught that, get some training on that. Know what fork to use. Know where your napkin goes. Know all the kind of passing etiquette and all of that because it can make a difference depending on the person who's interviewing you and whether that's important to them. It could be a deal breaker. So my point being with number 13 is that all of it is part of the interview process. I'll tell you a little secret. I would certainly coach clients, my students back in the day, to be careful about what they had on their voicemail message. So back then it was, I'm sorry to say, uh, back in the early days, it was on an actual, you know, a landline. And now, of course, it's on their cell phone. And just, I work for, I do some work for an outplacement company. I do some contracting work. And I called one of the clients. So we get this group of clients. These are going to be the people that I'm going to be coaching. And I went to call her and I got one of those blasted ring waiting things where you get this song and it was awful. And it was just, it was, oh, it was so inappropriate. And I I have not talked to her yet. But when I do speak to her in person, I will be sure to say, make sure you change that because you're going to have employers calling you and you don't want them listening to that awful music that you may love. And that's fine. You can still love it, but it doesn't need to be your ringtone or whatever it's called. Those are my 13 uh, fatal interview mistakes for today. I hope they've been helpful. Hey guys, rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends about this podcast. Get them involved too. We are really seeing a surge in our numbers and I am working very hard to make that happen and to increase our monthly listeners, our, our downloads per episode. I'm going to be talking about that some next week in our 100th episode. So get out there and rate, review, and subscribe. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook at The Exclusive Career Coach. You can find me on Instagram at lisa.edwards. That's L-E-S-A. And you can email me at lisa at exclusivecareercoaching.com. Hey, look in the show notes if you want to make a coaching appointment with me and we will talk to see how I can help you further. And I'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach. So be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.